I think that requires focus on what I'm trying to do with the company, which is not build a quantum computer, and it's not win a Nobel Prize or quantum mechanics or anything like that. It's to provide um, a layer, a stable state for companies to go do wonderful things. So again, yep. you know, first stage of the career, it's all about the tech. Second stage, it's all about the financial success. Third stage, you know, and, and sort of the notoriety. And third stage, it's about, um, you know, I'm going to help other people. I'm going to be this hero. And fourth stage, strange works is realizing I'm never going to be the hero. Okay. I'm a catalyst yeah. for creators, for innovators, and so. If you have something as, as uh, earth, you know, shaking, world changing as quantum computing, yeah. then I want to be the catalyst where I can build a platform on top of which a million innovators who are the heroes can go do drug discovery or optimization or uh, planetary, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Welcome. To 14 minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. In this episode of 14 minutes of SaaS, Whirly makes his mind up to leave behind illusions of an heroic self and instead be a facilitator of success for others on a massive scale. He resolves to create an interface between a swelling crowd of development talent and the technology that will utterly transform our future in ways that none of us can fully comprehend yet. Quantum computing. In this episode, he reveals his mission. Um, but that's kind of been the, what I think is the, the narrative arc of my career was like, doing it for the technology and learning and experimenting, mm -hmm. then being around a bunch of people who had been so successful and I thought were happy because of that. And so phase one, you know, you're doing all of this uh, technology. You're just a geek. You're just messing around with it. Phase two, uh, we've built a company and it's very profitable and we're having a great time. And now we're, we're the guys everybody wants to work with and wants to be like an emulate or whatever. And then phase three, um, realizing that in phase two, there's this myth of the success makes you happy. And in phase three saying, well, you know, really help make me happy is helping people. And part of the selling to Goldman Sachs was they have a much larger platform. But for example, before I left, uh, because we were part of Goldman Sachs, we were able to do a deal with Intuit where all TurboTax users had access to Honest Dollar. That, that is millions and millions and millions and millions, tens of millions of people, Yeah. right? Um, that's not going to happen for a startup. Right for for a million reasons, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not going to be able to make a deal like that happen. But a cool startup with some awesome tech in an infrastructure like Goldman Sachs, because of Goldman Sachs credibility, because of the 147, 148 years in business and stuff like that, and the channel, like you and talked the channel, with the channel, that deal can happen, right? Yeah. So part of um, selling it uh, is great, and I'm a little bit critical of the Accenture acquisition of Chaotic because I feel like they took this super cool brand this super amazing thing and that's what they wanted and they've kind of crushed the life out of it. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I, it doesn't. It basically doesn't even exist anymore. Wow. So the irony is people thought that that would work out great because they need cool and this is super cool and be great and it didn't work out. <laughs> then you look at Goldman Sachs where everybody told me how they were going to crush it and they're just going to take the startup and they're going to ruin it and they're going <laughs> to do all this stuff. And if you go onto the web today and go to honestdollar.com, 
It doesn't say Goldman Sachs. It says Honest Dollar. That's cool. It says buy Goldman Sachs. That was what we agreed to. That's very cool. We talked cool. about how to brand it. And it's growing. And yeah. they got a bigger team. And yep. they're doing bigger deals. And, they're doing, and they actually lowered the price from our original mark of $5 to a dollar a month. So they've actually made the product easier. Even more economic for even the guys. Even more economic for, yeah. for, for the little guy. So you look at that and you know, it's very ironic to me that you know, here's this one transaction where all you have to do is just not touch it and you ruin it. And there's this other transaction where everybody thinks you're going to just touch <laughs> it and ruin it. And you actually you know, have been very successful with it. And, and so, yeah. so you know, those you know, doing it for the love of tech, doing it for the money, doing it to help people to be the hero which I am not, sure. uh, have led to kind of where I'm at now, which is this, this kind of fourth phase, this fourth stage of my career with, and, with and Strangeworks. And before we get into Strangeworks, um, were you bored as an MD in Goldman Sachs? No, not at all. I mean, the boredom comes easy for me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have no doubt about that. But I was given... Uh, a very high-level position and a, and a lot of latitude and longitude, right? A lot yep. of freedom. Yeah. And with that freedom, uh, I took advantage to learn everything I could about finance from the perspective of Goldman Sachs, uh, something I don't know about. So it's like drinking from a fire hose. Like, so it's very sure. hard to get bored with that much, you know, with that much information and ability. And I, and I still did some speaking and still did other things. Now, um, was it more restrictive? which I think is really the question to sure. ask, than, than other things. And, and the answer is yes, of course it was. Because as, a, as an entrepreneur, when you have a, a company and you start it and you have no shareholders and you have no investors, you have uh, ultimate godlike control and you can make any decision you want. Change the brand, change the tech, change the pivot, this pivot, that whatever. Once you bring in investors, then you now are responsible to other parties and you, you are giving up part of that control or part of that, that freedom. Yeah. And of course, when you transact to a big company, then you're giving up a, a good deal of that freedom. I, sure. I would say Goldman's been the best acquisition I've been involved with so far across all my investments and the ones that I've done myself. Uh, I'm very thankful for it and uh, I, I you know, plan on working with them in the future. In fact, um, I approached them as, you know, with the idea of, hey, I'm going to go do some quantum stuff. Uh, and they were incredibly supportive, uh -uh. Uh, you know, in, in, you know, what I was doing and how they were involved. When we did the press release uh, just a couple months ago on the funding announcement, um, you know, I sent it to them. I said, look, I'm going to mention Goldman and everything. And they were like, that's great. And, you know, here's a little more, you know, if you want to say this, that's fine. And, cool. uh, you know, very, very collaborative. So, um, you know, I was not bored, um, but that's also not what I do, you know. I don't, I don't, maybe one day I'll be on a board or I'll be a CEO of a publicly traded company because they need to make massive changes or okay. they need something to shake up. Yeah. Um, Goldman's doing fine, doesn't need that. And, sure. and I'm very... You wanted to go where you could deliver more value, right? I'm very entrepreneurial. Well, I, mean, I couldn't deliver value. It's what do you... I mean, you more value, opportunity it, cost, it's right? It's tempest right? It's like know thyself, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. an entrepreneur. Yeah. So it's not that. It's like, does Goldman want to fund my next startup? Because let's talk about that. But so working, so working at Goldman and retiring in 20 years or 30 years, it's like if you look at my career, I've never been at a place, you know, Catechman was the longest six years. Yeah. And that was double the Everything next longest else. period. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, coming on to Strange Ways, why is quantum computing, which is your current 
biggest obsession, I think. What is it more easily understandable than we think or can be made more understandable, yet strange at the same time? How do you pragma pragmatically marry those two statements that it is strange and unpredictable, but yet it's more easily understandable than we think? So I think that requires focus on what I'm trying to do with the company, which is not build a quantum computer, and it's not win a Nobel Prize or quantum mechanics or anything like that. It's to provide um, a layer, a stable state, for companies to go do wonderful things. So again, yep. you know, first stage of the career, it's all about the tech. Second stage, it's all about the financial success. Third stage, you know, and, and sort of the notoriety. And third stage, it's about, um, you know, I'm going to help other people. I'm going to be this hero. And fourth stage, Strange Works is realizing I'm never going to be the hero. Okay. I'm a catalyst yeah. for creators, for innovators, and so. If you have something as, as uh, earth, you know, shaking, world changing as quantum computing, yeah. then I want to be the catalyst where I can build a platform on top of which a million innovators who are the heroes can go do drug discovery or optimization or uh, planetary, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Um, so that's kind of where I'm at from a mental standpoint. And so what does that mean? That means you have to look at the current state. And so right now, uh, if you look back on computing, you used to have to be an electrical engineer to program a computer. You had to understand the voltage between the gates. <laughs> then you had to understand there were gates. And now all these general assemblies and galvanizes and stuff all around the world, they turn out developers who probably don't even know there's gates. <laughs> and so right now, you have to be a physicist to program a quantum computer. Mm -hmm. And what is one of the number one problems in quantum computing? What can you do with it? Yeah. Okay. So I think the group of people who work with them is far too small and I think it's been relegated to the world of physicists. And it's time to open it up to the software developers and the hackers and the mm. entrepreneurs and the companies. And so we're building a platform that democratizes some of that knowledge and provides a very quick time to value from you can sit down, you can find out an experiment, you can take it and you can run it and deploy it on multiple platforms because we don't know which one will win or which one will be best. Yeah. So for the enterprise, this is a tremendous advantage because you can run on a D-Wave and IBM and a Rigetti and you can run on some simulators and some emulators. And, yeah. and uh, so we're kind of like an AWS for quantum computing, if you will. Sure. Um, and so when you look at that, you're democratizing the knowledge, you're building a platform on which anybody can play with these machines and the, or this technology, even if they can't afford the consumption cost of some of these machines. They have the simulators, the emulators. They can do experiments. Yeah. Um, and, and to what end? The why? Uh, to the end of making sure that as this technology becomes more relevant, which will happen far faster than anybody thinks. We, we went in 2017 from, uh, so 2006, 12 qubits, okay? Um, 2000, uh, 2006 to 2018, we go to 17. Mm. In 2017, the end of 2017, IBM goes to 50. Yeah. 2018, Google starts with 72. Yeah. Rumors are there's somebody that has a 150, 200 qubit wow. machine. If that, that, I find that if it's true, I <laughs> find that hard to believe because yeah. of the fidelity error correction. But I also know that, you know, Microsoft's topological approach uh, could make a much higher fidelity system. So yeah. there's, there's, very feasible. Um, this is going to change faster. We'll go from 
a hundred cubits to a few hundred to a thousand, from a thousand to ten thousand, from ten thousand to hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I mean, that may still take. So, so it's coming. That may still take eight or ten years. No, it may number of years, but it's coming sooner than people are imagining right now. But the impact comes in two to three years, in my opinion. Okay. And so if the impact comes in two to three years, and I want to, as an entrepreneur, build a successful company. Yeah. But more kind of the social aspect of what I'm doing, I want to make sure there's people who can program them and developers understand them and everything else. And are you going to open the platform? I get the impression you're not going to open up the platform to everyone uh, because I know from reading your manifesto uh, that some of your axioms, uh, so for example the sixth axiom, uh, you declare a desire to make the world better one cubit at a time and in your seventh you very clearly state uh, you know you, you want uh, uh, quantum for good not evil. So is this going to be like a carefully curated by invitation, people who are already probably working with the stuff before you got into it, it that you're going to bring into this? People it'll are be going both. To, you're going to improve it, the it'll world. Be, it'll be both. Okay. So think of it not as a either or, but as a win. Okay. Right? So we start by curating who's using the platform now. So we've moved very fast. So in July we'll put our first actual paying customers on the platform. Wow. Um, I know. I'm <laughs> I'm Congratulations. <laughs> yes, and also, <laughs> well, <Wow>, and you know, <laughs> very, very high. <laughs> the pressure is on <laughs> um, because that will be the fastest trajectory of we are already becoming the dominant company in software in quantum uh, because most of the companies wow. are focused on hardware or consulting. Some have software. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and by the way, I want to see all of these companies successful. So, you know, everybody's like, oh, what about Zapata or One Qubit or these? The One Qubit guys came to South by to my keynote. They, uh, Andrew came to my launch party. They're incredibly <laughs> amazing, kind, you know, uh, supportive people. Uh, we openly talked about whether we are competition or not, or where <laughs> we might be, um, and that's how I think this should be because this is a very, very, very big transition. This is going to change computers more in the next ten years than they've changed in their entire existence. Wow. And and there's a very big pie, and everybody can do very well. Like we need more, you know, we need to all be working together, right? Yeah. And so one of the things I wanted to do was build a platform that can integrate everyone's software and hardware. Um, like I said, more of an AWS. Uh, and then lower the barrier to entry because now I become a great resource for all of these companies. Yeah. Now I become someone who can send customers to Zapata or OneCubit or D-Wave or IBM or Rigetti. Um, and that is a potentially a very powerful position too because you know what if you find yourself as kind of the gatekeeper of, 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 of this stuff. That's not the goal. That's yeah. not the, there's no, there's no evil plot. The next episode, episode four of eight, Whirly talks about how the gift of almost infinite choice can be our greatest barrier in our search for purpose. Jean-Paul Sartre also wrestled with apprehending what it means to confront the burden of quasi-infinite choice. He said, nous sommes nos choix, or we are our choices. And in Japan, they've long recognized the importance of having clarity of purpose and refer to it as ikigai, a reason for being. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of Sass. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show 
a rating.